This is the Love Your Mom Life podcast, where we get real about getting out of your motherhood rut and creating a mom life you love. I'm your host, Nikki Odin, and I know a lot about what it's like to not love your mom life. Being a mom is hard, and being a mom with goals and dreams is even harder. Over the years, I've spent a whole lot of time on the hot mess express trying to harmonize motherhood with everything else I want out of life. But eventually, I figured it out. Sort of. You can create a mom life you absolutely love. So come on, let's do this thing together. Before we dive in, this is my cute little reminder to please hit that subscribe button. Be sure to follow us on social, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And of course, be sure to visit the blog at youridealmomlife.com for real life solutions to help you take back your time and love your mom life again. Hello, and welcome back to the Love Your Mom Life podcast. By now, you've heard my big, hairy, audacious announcement. And if you haven't, go back to episode 26 to hear all about it because it is super exciting and I'm sure you're going to love it. Now, as I've mentioned, finishing this new project is going to require my absolute full attention. So as I continue to plug away, I need to be focused on nothing else. So what that means for you is no new episodes during this very short time frame. But don't worry, you know I came up with an awesome solution for all you loyal listeners. We're having the ultimate re-listen party. I've gone back over the last three seasons of this podcast and determined the top three most popular episodes for each season. During this nine-week period, we'll be revisiting those episodes, and I am just so happy that you also love this idea because you are enjoying listening a second time and taking away something brand new. Today, we're flashing back to the most popular episode from 2021, which is when season two aired, Rocking Mom Life After Divorce, a conversation with Donna DeSanctis. If you're going through a divorce, been divorced, or have a friend who's in either boat, you won't want to miss Donna's story of adversity and triumph. Enjoy revisiting what you loved about your number one all-time favorite episode of season two, Episode 26, Rocking Mom Life After Divorce. Today's topic is really near and dear to my heart, and I'm so excited to talk about it with today's guest, who happens to be a dear friend of mine, because I think it's really important to hear from other women who have walked the walk, gone through the adversity, and come out on the other side even better for it. So what am I talking about? Divorce. Divorce feels like an ugly thing. And a lot of times it is. It's emotional, devastating, complicated. And when it comes to kids, property, and finances, messy. But it can also be a blessing, liberating, healing, and dare I say it, empowering. Today's guest is a mother of two who recently found herself unexpectedly navigating a divorce after 25 years of marriage. As a certified financial planner with over 30 years of experience who rose through the ranks of a profession that has historically been dominated by men, 
She's always worked hard to hire, train, and empower women, leading by example and inspiring women in her network to reach for the stars. Now, after persevering through the adversity of her divorce, that mission is even more personal for her. Her whole life is about service to the people around her. Ask today's guest to describe herself and she'll tell you, I'm a philanthropist and homeschool mom who loves helping others. Her world revolves around her two sons, Zach and Nick, who was diagnosed at age three with type 1 diabetes. She currently serves on the board of JDRF, formerly known as Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, as vice president. She enjoys meeting people from all over the world and often travels to faraway lands, immersing herself in the culture by learning languages and taking cooking classes. She practices meditation daily to stay grounded in the present. She also volunteers at her local Cystic Fibrosis Foundation and Food Bank and still has energy left over to entertain her family's very playful boxer, Jetty. Connect with her on Instagram at Donna DeSanctis. On a personal note, I'll add that she is an amazing friend with a huge heart, and it is my absolute pleasure to welcome to the show my friend, Donna DeSanctis. Donna, thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Nikki. I'm so excited to be here with you. Um, What a beautiful introduction, and it is um, really my honor to be here um, speaking with you today, and I'm really looking forward to sharing parts of my story that will hopefully empower women to feel Um, more secure and confident as they navigate really any of their life changes um, that come up, you know, in their lives. Oh, and I know that you will absolutely do that. Having been there with you through part of that journey, I, I can attest to what an amazing and strong woman you are. So just so everyone has a little bit of background, Donna and I met like forever ago. Honestly, Donna, how, I don't know, what, what was it, like 10 years ago? I think it's about 10 years ago on the board of juvenile diabetes. Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. So I actually have type 1 diabetes, not something I talk about a lot, but I was diagnosed as an adult at the age of 19 at Florida State University. And so I had an opportunity later on, I think I was like 26, to join the board of directors for JDRF. And I did. And that's how I met Donna. And we just clicked on such a personal level. We became such good friends. And now here we are uh, with our lives missions aligning again. And I'm just so excited to bring her and her story to you all because it's so inspiring. So let's talk about divorce. Okay. (laughs) For a long time, women didn't like to talk about being divorced. And there's historically been a a stigma or a shame associated with. And I'll, I'll just say personally, as a divorced woman, I felt that way too when I was going through it. I felt like a failure and I chose because uh, it is a choice, I chose mm-hmm. to kind of cloak myself in this humiliation until one day I realized, wait, this was one of the best things I ever did. I gave myself the opportunity to start over and find a true connection with someone who loves me for real. This is a good thing. Mm-hmm. So how was it for you? Yeah. Is it a roller coaster? Yeah, that's a great, um, great question. So I too, like you, you know, having been married um, for that long. And I was actually married for 19 years, but with my ex for 25. And um, one of the things that first happened when I realized the divorce was going down, as I say, um, and, and I do want to just make a little comment here that whenever I talk about the past, I will always try my best to make it as, you know, real, but also like, I don't want to get sucked back into the past. And I think as women, as you are trying to transition through things, it's important that you tell the story the way you want it to be. So I'm going to try to stay out of the weeds, but I think it's also important to share like some of the detail of it. So when I knew the divorce was going down, which was um, actually um, 
the eve of New Year's Eve, 20, yeah, um, yeah 20, 2017. It's just incredible. It's been three years. Um, I reached out to a dear friend of mine who was probably about one of the only women in my network that I knew was divorced. So like you were in my network, Nikki, but I didn't know that you had been through a divorce. It was just something that never came up because like most of my network were were homeschool mom friends, you know, um, we were in a Christian community and, you know, I just didn't know anyone. And when I reached out to her and went to her home, speaking about the shame and the um, terror that was going through my heart, you know, besides just thinking about my children and how's that all going to work. The first thing I said to her, um, because she, you know, I was crying and she grabbed my hands and she's like, what are you most worried about? And the first thing out of my mouth, I kid you not was, I don't think anyone's going to want to be my friend anymore because I'm divorced. And as it came out my mouth, I wanted to pull it back. Cause she looked at me with these big brown eyes and, and said, you know, she, as she looks at me, I'm like, I know you're divorced. It's not you. It's me, you know, like, so it was such an odd moment, but, um, but that's how I felt. I felt like nobody would want to be my friend. And isn't that sad that, um, I did have so many wonderful friends and I also, um, kind of went into hiding. I went into, um, a shell for, I guess almost a year in a way. Like, so there are certain people um, that I did reach out to certain very close friends, but I also needed to protect myself. And, and that's one thing I do want to mention that um, it's important as you're going through it to choose who you speak with. Yes, <laughs> some absolutely. People, right. Some people, they mean well. Um, I had a few situations where, you know, um, one mom in particular, I'll just share, uh, came up to me. It, it had taken me probably about six months to walk back into the church where my boys attended homeschool. And I went um, so I could observe one of their um, presentations. And um, I was always wearing my sunglasses because I was always crying. You know, like I just, yeah. it, just it was hard. It, let me just yeah, tell you, it was it, hard. It's hard. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm good now. But, you know, just sitting back in that seat, you know, three years ago. And I do remember her just coming up to me and grabbing me. And saying, I heard you're going through a divorce and I barely knew her, um, which was interesting. And and then she said, and I just want to tell you, you need to fight for your marriage. God doesn't want you to be divorced. And I couldn't believe it. It was the absolute right. worst thing to say to me. Yeah. Um, and I really just had to kind of like I made her let go of me. And I said, you don't know me. You don't know what I'm going through. Please don't um, speak to me again, basically, like for, you know, for that little while, she eventually apologized. But I'm sharing that story to say, you know, it is normal to feel that way. And if if you're contemplating divorce or if you've been divorced or if you're a friend of someone going through divorce, yes, it's really important to just listen. Like really yes. all anybody needs is you to listen to them and not really necessarily give them advice, but just be there for them in spirit, in love, in compassion. Like my friend was um, the first friend I reached out to. She was with me all along. Um, as I went through it and, you know, just, just be someone's friend during that and do your best not to judge because until you're going through it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I have helped so many ladies through divorce in my career um, and in my personal life, but, you know, more so in my career. And I knew all the financial aspects of it inside and out, you know, right. so that was a blessing for me when I was personally going through it, through it. But um I really never knew the emotional trauma that they were going through till I went through it. And now that I'm on the other side, to me, it's the biggest blessing. I'm so happy that I went through it. It sounds weird, right? Like you're yeah, happy but you went through divorce, but like yeah. you just mentioned, right? It was the biggest gift I could give to myself. Like I liberated myself from mm-hmm. 
a wonderful relationship of 25 years. I wouldn't change it for the world. I have my boys and, you know, I'd say it was, you know, in the way I look at it, I choose to look at it as it was mostly good. The bad was really bad, but the bulk of it was, was, was pretty good. And, um, and I'm on the other side three years post and my life is amazing. You know, it's amazing in every single way, ways I couldn't even imagine it could be. It is. And, uh, and I, I needed it, you know, I needed the change. So don't be scared of the change. Not that I'm telling anybody to get divorced, but if you're going through it or you're thinking about it, I just want to encourage you um, to know that um, there is life after divorce and um, it's pretty spectacular. (laughs) It sure is. (laughs) Let me tell you, it exists. It exists. It's very easy in those moments to feel like, what is going to happen to me now? What do I do now? Who am I now? I think yes. that's a question too that, that, you know, I had moments <laughs> and I didn't have kids at the time. So I, I can't, I can't share in that additional layer of emotion, trauma, complication. But even just going to the pharmacy before the divorce was finalized, because I knew I wasn't going to keep his name and mm-hmm. then telling them my last name at the pharmacy, which was still, was which was his last name. It just felt like, who am I? Like, I don't even know my name yeah. right now. Like, what should I say? It's There's so many different layers of a sort of identity crisis when you're going right. through a divorce. And, and right. part of that is like, am I making a mistake? Am I doing the wrong thing? And what I would say, and I think Donna, you would agree mm-hmm. is we as women, God gave us such an amazing sense of intuition always listen to your intuition. You know deep in your heart and your soul what is right for you. That doesn't mean it's easy. That doesn't mean it's going to look good, Mm -hmm. but you know what's right. And what's right isn't always easy. So you just have to go with that, that feeling in your gut and your intuition. And then you will see, like you will see how things align and just click together and you just start to flow, just which is what I'm witnessing happening to you and have you yes. know over these last three years. And it's been such a beautiful thing. So that's why I wanted people to hear your story and to hear some of like the nuts and bolts of, of how you navigated it. Sure. Um, sure. Because that's so inspiring. And it's I think people need to hear you know, you need to see somebody else go through it. Right. To know that you can go through it. So mm-hmm. you mentioned, you know, in your career you've helped a lot of women through a divorce and then you were doing it on your own. So what mm-hmm. were some of the things that you kind of had to deal with separating Mm -hmm. after 19 years of marriage. Yeah. It's, um, boy, we need a few hours, (laughs) but, um, I'll, I'll I'll start, I'll start with something that you actually mentioned, which is the whole name thing just briefly. So, you know, my maiden name's Priscentelli. It's 13 letters, probably one of the (laughs) hardest names to spell. And then I got married and I had this name DeSanctus with an N and a C and nobody could understand why is the S capital and there's no space. And I kind of like, Took, took me a year to change my name to that married name because uh, I didn't want to give up my uh, my maiden name and I actually kept it as my middle name. So I do recommend uh, any ladies out there who are contemplating getting married to definitely consider keeping your, your maiden name as a middle name at a, at a minimum. Um, did you? Yeah. So um, and then interestingly, when I went through the divorce, um, my first instinct was, oh, I want my name back, you know. And then I thought, oh, my gosh, I've been a DeSanctus for, you know, 18 years at the time. It took us one year to get divorced. So just that's one thing I just want to pause and say um, it takes time. Yeah, especially with kids. Patience. And um, it took like basically one year to the day from when I served in papers to when the divorce was uh, we we ended up signing an agreement. Um, Exactly one year. So 365 days. And one of the things that I had thought about was the name change. 
And my boys at the time were 14 and 16 and I, and I had a conversation with them about it. So that's one of the things I'll share, you know, that you want to be careful with as far as like shielding your kids from the situation at hand, but also involving them enough so that they don't feel like they're clueless about what's going on. And especially my younger son, Nick, who was 14 at the time, he was an incredible rock. I just have to tell you for a 14 year old boy, some of the things he did during the um, process, just his insight. And he is, you know, the one living with type one diabetes since he was three. And so he's grown up kind of in a tough, you know, a tough way. Um, But I, when I talked to them, it was interesting. Well, both of them right away said, you know, mom, I think you should do whatever you want to do. However, think about Mm -hmm. when we travel together and think about this and think about that. And I said, you know what? Right. And, um, and so, you know, at the end of the day, I I chose to keep to Sanctus as my name. And it's so funny. I love the name now. I love my initials, (laughs) Donna DeSanctus, Donna D. My nickname was Didi. My dad gave me a nickname Didi when I was little, um, I just love it. And so now that it's all mine, I don't know, something about it special. So um, so that's a little side story on the name and, and, and also getting into college for the kids and, you know, just like, oh, my gosh, it's been so much easier. And now let's take a quick break. The heart behind the I'm on podcast is storytelling because every mom has a story to tell. I know that when I talk to my friends who are parenting and we share stories, we all end up feeling less alone and more capable of loving our kids well. You can find information everywhere on the internet. Some is bad parenting advice and some is pretty wise. We like to think there's a lot of wisdom on imom.com. And when you combine that signature wisdom with a great story, it brings parenting to life. We want a mom who's listening to see herself and her kids in these stories and rest in the confidence that she is the perfect mom for her kids. Check out the iMom podcast with new episodes every Monday. Yeah, and I, I was going to say, like, let's just pause there and yeah. then see how we can find the beauty in that. You know, it doesn't have to be this reminder of a failure or of something that used to be and is no longer. You can, mm-hmm. you can give it a new meaning and a new birth. And I just think that's so like something as simple as keeping your name versus changing yes. it. Yes, exactly. Awesome. No, it's fantastic. And, you know, I didn't have to like change all my documents and my passport and just all that stuff. So yeah, it's easier, you know, and not that I wouldn't, you know, say, go ahead and do that. It's, it's not that big of a deal, but, um, but that's one thing as far as, um, what are some of the, um, back to your original question, like, you know, so what were some of the things I had to navigate that I, really didn't know I was going to need to navigate. So again, as a financial <laughs> advisor, you know, I knew that we were going to have to get together, you know, several years of, um, you know, documentation and tax returns and investments and figure out your income and your expenses. And a couple of things that I learned um, through my attorney, which I would like to just mention my attorney, because when you're going through a divorce, it's really critical that you team up with, um, a couple of professionals, and I do believe a great divorce attorney can be an ally. And I, I've talked 100%. to people, right? You agree, and, and I know totally. you being an attorney, but n- not only because you just absolutely do not know what you do not know. Like it, there are so many things that popped up that I could have never navigated. And initially, when the divorce was about to happen, you know, we were talking about the quote unquote, and I'm saying big old quotes around it, the amicable divorce. Okay. Like, (laughs) like you people can't see me right now, but I mean, the quotes are in the air and it's like, they're flashing. And (laughs) I have 
very rarely seen a true amicable divorce. I've seen people say they're going to do an amicable divorce. And then one person basically just bullies the other person. The other person's not strong enough to protect themselves. And then everybody calls that amicable. And that's not amicable. And that's that's what was going to happen in my situation. Because I was fine. I'm like, you know what? This is not a big deal. But very, very early on, um, I'm going to say on day two, (laughs) after finding out the divorce was going to happen, I very quickly realized I need an attorney. And yeah. so, um, so I want to just share this quick story. Um, so, so I went and I interviewed three attorneys. So here's something for you to know. Um, I suggest you interview a few attorneys. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was given um, two referrals from a very dear friend. And then believe it or not, my dad, who barely can use the internet, I don't even know how he did this. <laughs> he logged in and found this guy and his name's Christopher Bruce. And he's in um, West Palm Beach, Bruce Law. Um and he's like, I think you should go see him. And I ordered some books for you about, you know, controlling husbands. Aww. And I'm not being negative or anything, because listen, my dad was a controlling father, you know, the whole Italian thing. So that right. wouldn't be surprising that I'd marry a controlling person. Um, and I'm not saying this in a negative way, trust me. Um, but anyway, he got all these books for me. And I'm like, okay, dad. So I interviewed these three attorneys on the same day. I actually interviewed Chris Bruce first, went and interviewed the other two after interviewing the other two, one being a female. And so I just want to say, Hey, you know, it's okay to have a guy on your side. Um, I'm all about empowering women, but I don't know, just, she didn't really understand. And the other gentleman was looking me up and down. I'm like, okay, you can't be my attorney. This is uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. And I just, I just intuition, go with your intuition, go with my gut. And I'm so glad. And he was an older, more experienced attorney. Chris was younger, had just gone out um, on in his own practice actually that year. Um, But you know what? I just, there was something about him that he listened to me. Like he understood exactly what I was going to. He was just incredible. So I drove back to his office and that day I wrote him a very large check um, in my term. I mean, like you don't write big checks every day. Right. And, you know, right. he writes several thousand dollar check and I really didn't know him and it was pouring rain. This is really important. So it's pouring rain. I'm leaving. I'm almost hysterical. Right. Cause like, I can't even believe I just signed a five month agreement that hopefully this is done in five months. And if it's not, I got to write another big check. You know, like that's basically, mm-hmm. it was, it was a lot. And, um, and this yeah. was like, this was like January 2018. So just a few weeks after, you know, the announcement, so to speak, um, I pull out, it's pouring rain, I'm drenched. And I, I, I pull on um, the highway and I'm about to turn on, on, um, onto federal highway. And there's like this huge rainbow Aww. and a teeny tiny sign on the grass that says divorce attorney, $350 all all done, you know, something like that. Like, like you've been doing for three fifty. So I see this big rainbow. I see that, and I nicknamed Chris, my attorney, Rainbow Chris, and he's that to this day. And so that's why you call him that. That's why I call him Rainbow Chris, and he he owns it. He loves it. <laughs> that is so funny. So yeah, so it's just kind of a funny story, and um, it was the best thing I ever did was hiring him because um, what I learned from him was there are certain things that certain types of individuals do um, mm. through a divorce uh, that are quite predictable. And uh, yes, yeah, so it was very interesting. <laughs> and he basically predicted everything that was going to happen. And it was fascinating. And to this day, it, it continues to be fascinating when things, you know, pop up, but, uh, but yeah. Based on your ex-husband's personality type. Yes. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Like just, just the style. And, um, and so that's one of the things I, I do want to share. And again, I'm doing this with all the love in my heart. I love and bless my husband. 
I forgive myself for anything I did wrong in the marriage in terms of, you know, like, listen, it takes two to tango in a sure. relationship. Of course. Nobody is perfect. I'm not a victim. He's exactly. not a victim. Okay. It's really right. important. Ladies out there listening. It's so critical that if you are feeling that victim mentality, which is normal and trust me, I felt it throughout um, the sooner you can kind of move through that and begin to shake it off and it doesn't happen overnight. But the, the sooner you can start to do that and see that, you know, this is just a relationship. It did not fail. Like, that's one thing I want to say too. Like a lot of people are like, Oh, well you failed at your marriage. And I'm like, um, I was with someone for 25 years. I call that a success. You know, like yeah. we actually lived together, built a beautiful family, built a beautiful um, couple of businesses together. You know, we had an amazing marriage, like, you know, overall. And the fact that it needed to end did not mean that it was a failure. It just meant we both needed a new beginning. And yeah. like I said, I bless him. I love him. I'll always love him. He's the father of my children, whether he chooses to talk to me or not, that doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> you know, um, it's all good. You know, everything's fine. And um, I was going off on something. Sorry, I just kind of got a little out of uh, the sink of what I was trying to say. But basically that, you know, um, it's important when you look on your life that you understand that there is a purpose for every single thing that happens in your life, whether it be um, your own personal illness, right, Nikki, like, you know, mm -hmm. you with type one, my son with type one, um, without type one diabetes, we would have never homeschooled. My boys have both been homeschooled their entire life because of it. And they love it. And we're such a close knit family because of it. So, you know, I tend to look for the silver linings, the blessings in things. And they're there. Right. They're there. You, you need to look for them sometimes. Right. Absolutely. So when, yeah, you have to when look for them. Yeah. When you're going through the darkest of times, that's the other thing that I've learned through um, really the past, I'd say, two years. I've been meditating and it was something that was introduced to me decades ago. And I'm like, who has time for that? Who has time? to sit <laughs> I mean, are you kidding me? I got stuff to do. Um, ladies, take time for yourself every single yeah. day. It's mm -hmm. so important. And if you can do it first thing in the morning. See, that was a thing. I was like, I got to take care of my kids. I can't take care of me first thing in the morning, right? I need to get them ready and feed them and do this and that. And I have changed that. And the last two years, um, I take anywhere from 20 minutes to uh, three hours in the morning. You know, I wake up really early and I do my meditation first thing. I do not read any news. I do not look at my email. On the occasions I do look at my email, I always regret it. <laughs> I do, you know. <laughs> Do that time for you, even if it's only 15 minutes a day, um, because it's so critical for you to um, to give yourself self-care and self-love. And, and that is um, a whole nother topic we can spend a whole nother podcast on. But it's about taking care of you and um, treating yourself the way you would treat your best friend. Like that's right. some of my best the advice. You treat right? someone you love. Treat yourself the way you would treat someone you love. So if you're talking to yourself and saying, oh, my gosh you're a failure because this thing didn't work or what second it's your, guessing it's your fault or it's, it's your fault you're or, or evil for leaving. If you're the one who leaves, if you're the one who leaves and, and, and if you're second guessing um, or anything like that, you know, just think about what I say is like, try to talk to yourself. Like you would talk to your best friend. And would you say that to them? You probably wouldn't. No, never, never in a million years. So. Hey there, super mom. Do you ever wish someone would come out with a step-by-step -step system on how to keep your shiitake together? Yeah, so have we. So at Your Ideal Mom Life, we came up with one ourselves. It's called Mom with Confidence, the keep-it-together system specifically for super moms like us. 
And you can grab yours right now for $29 at youridealmomlife.com slash momwithconfidence. In two PDFs that you can download right now, you get a complete system that teaches you how to be better at balancing time with your kids and time for yourself, how to have more patience and less mom guilt, how to complete your to-do list each day, make time to exercise, create time to enjoy your family, and how to answer that dreaded question all moms hate. What's for dinner? This proven system will help you stay on track and get a handle on all the things. That means less mom guilt, more patience, and more joy. So if you've ever stood in front of the fridge minutes before you're supposed to feed your family dinner and berated yourself for not having groceries, if you're looking at other moms like, girl, how do you have it all together while I'm over here on the hot mess express? If you want to stop feeling spread thin and start getting time for yourself without the mom guilt, head on over to youridealmomlife.com slash momwithconfidence and purchase yours today for just $29. So you were, you started on this path okay. that we're talking about mm-hmm. by mentioning, like we were talking about personality types and oh. the way a person's able to identify yes. patterns. So yes. you were like, I'm, I'm saying okay. this with all the love in the world. Oh, I, thank you for bringing me back. I you forgot. To distracted. Yeah. I want to hear the juicy part. Okay. So, um, so basically in a nutshell, um, so I'm, I'm a self-made woman. I come from basically nothing. I mean, very poor upbringing. We were on food stamps, you know, and, you know, my parents divorced when I was eight and, you know, just came from just like a very, uh, you know, not a charmed background in terms of my life. And I built everything I had. And I got to the point where, you know, I'm in this relationship and very early on, um, things that would happen would be like basically trying to take away my power. And, and, and when I say that, like, oh my gosh, some of the stories I could tell, and I don't want to get too personal, but like, I'll just give you like an example of just when, you know, you're sitting now, you know, let's say 15 years into the relationship, you're in the most beautiful home. I mean, I had a beautiful home, like it was something we built together and I loved my home so much. And he would come in and start stomping around about what a piece of crap house this was and lot. And I wouldn't get it. I'd be like, what are you talking about? This place is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, and I realized now looking back, you know, there was something inside of him that was lacking and he didn't know how to deal with it. And so he would like basically spew some of that onto me, you yeah. know, and, and um, I didn't realize that as it was going down, I, w- I would be like walking around, what do you mean? And so I would, I would frantically make sure that the house was always perfect for him. You know, I mean, I like a clean house. I'm a, I'm a little bit of a, I wouldn't say that I'm OCD or anything. I mean, I do like, if you open my cabinets, like all the cans are facing one way, you know, <laughs> the, boy, the boys put the LaCroix in the, in the fridge and it's all, you know, and I have to like make it all go the right way. So like, I'm very particular. Um, but, but he, he kind of made me feel like if everything wasn't in its perfect spot, that I was like a piece of garbage, you know? And, um, and I've heard this from many, many women and I'll listen, t- trust me, I have other friends that would be like, you should have just told him to do it, you know, um, because it's part of my personality also. Right. So my personality was to be a pleaser, right. To, to give him whatever he needed. I love that awareness. Like, like you said, it takes two. Takes two. So we actually got together. You may have all heard about this before, but they say like, you know, so they say like opposites attract and 
really the way I've learned it is it's, um, it's your childhood wounds attract. Mm -hmm. So whatever you went through in childhood and we've all got them, whether they're imaginary or, or, or not, you know, like whether something happened to you as a child that um, was really horrific and, or you, you took a comment from someone and made it horrific. We all come with those childhood wounds and you're typically attracted to someone who is going to fill that void and you're going to fill their void. But what ends up happening, if you don't learn about it and then start to work on it together, um, it just basically escalates, you know, to the point of where it's, you know, it gets, it gets ugly and it gets really, really painful. And um, I guess that what I want, one thing I wanted to say that always kind of bothered me was, you know, I was always like reading all these books and I wanted to do workshops and I wanted to try to grow together. And one of the comments he would make all the time was, you know, the best time in my life was between age 17 and 22. And that'll always be the best time in my life. And was that before he met you? Well, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 17 to 22, you know, before he was married and had kids. And I would internalize that. And, and I would say to him, gosh, this is the best time of my life. I mean, you know, we have children. We both have amazing careers. We make great money. We have a beautiful family. And I would try to say that. And he's like, nope, that was the best years of my life. So basically, like, he didn't want to grow anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, right. he just wanted to live in that past I don't know. I don't know if it's a male thing. I don't want to you know, like go men against women or anything like that. But um, the way I look at it is if you're not growing, if you're not continuing growing, you know, you're not going to be able to thrive. You're basically going to start to wilt. And, yeah, totally agree. Yeah. So, so that's a little bit of the background without getting too, um, I, I don't want to do anything. And so Chris was able to like, so Chris was able to predict these things. Yeah. So like when, when the divorce was happening, different things that would happen that would be like just obvious. Uh, any rational person would just be like, Oh yeah. You know, yes, the husband should move out of the house because the kids are there and, mm -hmm. and you know, the whole family dynamic is there um, for them. And, you know, like he didn't want to move out of the house as an example. Right. And so I had to leave the house where my kids were with the basketball net and the big yard right. and pool where all, we had all our homeschool parties. And I mean, we, we were the party house for our homeschoolers and everybody would come over and hang out. And all of a sudden I'm in a, you know, we're myself and my boys are in a small rental townhouse um, because there was just no way to live there with him, you know? And so like, that's just an example. And, and I remember my attorney saying, listen, you're going to ask him and he's probably going to say no. And when he does, you have to be ready to go. Yeah, that's and how great for somebody to like give you that foresight, yeah, prepare you mentally and emotionally, and also, you know, tactically, uh, like find a place to live. Exactly, exactly. And I point blank said, no, he won't do that. He can see that it's obvious. There's like four of us, like my, the two kids and the dog and me. So there's four of us and one of him, and it would be so much easier for him to go get a you know one bedroom apartment, obviously, and you know like trying to keep everything friendly. Um, but just like cohabitating during divorce, like I just got to say, unless you're just like that 1% who can do it, I just don't see it ever going well for especially the lady, you know, like, I don't know, yeah. just, it just, it's not healthy. It's just not comfortable to have to be, you know, passing, you know, he's in the back bedroom and I was in the master and ugh, it was just awful. <laughs> when yeah. he come home, I'd be like, make sure all my food is in the back bedroom so I can just, I don't want to see him, you know, and. Yeah, it wasn't fun. It's tough. And it's probably hard for the kids to see that dynamic change so drastically, right? Not healthy for the kids at all. And, you know, you try to fake it. And uh, I can just tell you, the kids 
whether they're, you know, seven and nine or um, 14 and 16, like my kids were, um, they feel the energy between you. Mm -hmm. They meet between the lines. They know something's not right. They're so, so perceptive. And that's something I continue to learn every single day as a mother. Yes. Like sometimes they repeat stuff back to me that I didn't say that they just picked up on. And I'm like, okay. Yes. Remember, they're watching and they are absorbing everything. They're absorbing it all. Yes. So you were able to hire Chris, who was an amazing advocate for you. What would you say to a woman who feels like she can't afford someone like Chris? Hmm, That's a great question. Um, I would say a couple of things that you could do is definitely like do some research. So like his website, for example, he's got like tons of free. That was one of the things that I really loved about him. He's got a lot of um, free material like books and you know, just if you're having this issue, here are some things for you to consider. Um, And I think there's probably also some um, there. I'm I'm sure there are. And I I apologize for not knowing that off the top of my head, but I'm sure there are some organizations out there that can assist, you know, like maybe like women in distress. I know Mm -hmm. that's, that's a great organization to um, talk with. Um, I remember just going back way, way, way back um, helping out with that organization, like literally like 20 years ago and how they would help women if they had to leave their home, you know, for example, right. so they would have a place to go. Cause listen, some people are in what I was um, truly in a, a, what would be considered a extreme verbal abusive relationship, which I didn't know until I got out of it. And somebody right. told me a therapist who Chris told me to hire. And I'm like, I don't need a therapist, Chris. I got this. Like, you know, why would I need a therapist? He's like, just trust me. You need to talk to someone. He's like, I've seen this personality type before. He's like, I know. And he goes, and he goes, I don't want you to get sucked back in. Cause that's one of the things with this type of relationship is that it's easy to get sucked back in. And, um, and so anyway, she's the one who said, Hey, you know, this is a verbally abusive relationship. And I just want to say whether you're in a verbally or a physically abusive relationship, um, you know, you need to have a safe place to go. So like, I think women in distress is one are one of those places And as far as getting legal advice, um, I think, you know, you could talk maybe to if you have a relative that could help you out and then you can pay them back with your proceeds. Yeah. (laughs) That's another thing you can do. Yeah. I think um, so. I was very fortunate. um, Mm -hmm. And this is where I think asking for help is really important because women tend to not want to ask for help. They tend to try to shoulder everything, internalize everything and try to like figure it out. And then as they're doing that, they become very overwhelmed and then they become paralyzed and it just feels insurmountable. So mm-hmm. I happen to have a really good friend who is a lawyer and um, is a family lawyer and she helped me through my divorce, but mm-hmm. um, obviously I had to ask her, right? Yeah. Like I, I couldn't just, and I, and I was, um, I was new in my career. So I didn't have like, I didn't mm-hmm. have a ton of money. I was still paying off my law school debt. I actually, um, ended up because I was the breadwinner ended up having to pay some lump sum alimony to my ex-husband mm-hmm. but I I like didn't have it so I had to t- take a credit card advance and write a check for my credit card and then pay that oh back so, yeah. I, I mean I it's it was there's definitely um that that can seem like a huge hurdle so I would mm-hmm. just say you know ask for help and if you mm-hmm. know anybody who knows anybody you just never know people may be willing right. to do things for free or for discount um, but okay. I thought that would be an important thing to just kind of mention because it's it's not, I, I don't want a woman to feel like, well, he, I'm stay at home mom and he's the breadwinner. How am I going to get out of this? Right. Right. No, that's a great point. Um, and you know what, I'll just add to what you're saying. So one of the things that I ended up doing, which 
I never in a million years thought I'd ever have to do is ask my dad to help me with some money because of just the way our financial situation was structured Mm -hmm. and some of the things that went down before the divorce behind the scenes unbeknownst to me and I won't go any further than that um it it didn't I could have done it but it would have been like a huge tax ridiculousness to um like take money out of my 401k or my IRA to pay rent you know because like I was having to pay like basically all the expenses like so it's almost like double expenses right and, um, and so I went to my dad and it was, um, it was humbling for me. Cause like, I like literally my whole life never went to my dad for anything. I mean, I've been working since I was 11 years old, babysitting, you know, like, and I, I paid my college, I paid my car, my insurance, like I never asked him for anything. And, um, and I went to my dad and it was, um, he was amazing. Um, he was willing to help me with that. I told him pay, pay him back with interest. And that I sure did. And let me tell you, that was a fun check to write <laughs> the day after the divorce settled. Like I just literally just said, dad, I'm coming over and you're getting, you know, your just desserts for um, helping me out. But yeah, don't be afraid to ask for help. Cause you never know who's out there that would want to help you. And, um, it's, uh, it's a humbling experience, but then it kind of brings you closer in a way too. And, and it's just, it's interesting how you just never know how things are going to play out, you know, cause like in a million years, I would say, I'm not going to get divorced. And if I get divorced, it's going to be amicable and I would never borrow money from my dad. And it's like, check, 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 wrong, wrong, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so are there any sort of financial like ducks in a row you would say yes. that, that women need to, to get? together? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Um, so there's a couple of things. Um, one thing I'm going to mention, which I don't know, you know, who, like who's listening, but basically there was, there was a law change um, a few years back that financial institutions don't need to keep more than seven years of your financial records. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so when you go through a divorce, you do look typically at the last three years but there are also reasons to go back further. So like if you're wanting to like prove premarital assets, I'll use as an example. Mm-hmm. And in order to prove premarital assets, you have to go back to before the marriage happened. Right. And be able to show paper trail and like that new money wasn't added. So like once you get married and we're in the state of Florida, but once you get married, you know, um, you have certain assets and I'm not giving any legal or tax or investment advice right now. I'm just sharing about my situation just to give that caveat. Um, <laughs> but basically when you're looking at um, premarital assets, you're going to, um, you're going to get together. And so if you have an asset that was in your name alone before you got married, and as long as you didn't do any contributions to it and or commingle marital assets with it, it can actually be carved out and considered a premarital asset. However, you have to be able to prove it. Right. So in my case, luckily as my um, attorney, Chris, called me a little bit of a pack rat, I had kept everything (laughs) um, in printed form. And because we had uh, actually um, planned, well, we were almost going to get a divorce about 10 years prior. I think it was about 10 years prior when the kids were four and six. Um, I had everything stored away in a hiding place. And so when all the things were taken out of my garage and thrown away behind my back, there was no way to prove those premarital assets except that I did have um, the documents. So one thing I will share with you, if you're contemplating divorce, start getting those ducks in a row, try to find all those documents, make some copies, keep them somewhere safe. 
Um, a lot of people think, oh, they're on my hard drive in my computer. Okay, computers crash. Yeah. <laughs> um, make a zip drive at least. You know, give it to someone for safekeeping. Put it in a safety deposit box. I don't care. Just like have it outside of the house. A couple other things. Um, think about your passwords. You know, so if you're right in the middle of going right. through a divorce, everything's like fair game. So like, you know, emails, texts, um, anything can be used against you that's printed. So be careful also like what social media posts too. Social, right? Oh my gosh, social media posts. So this is interesting. Um, speaking about that, I remember a really good friend of mine, also an attorney, female attorney, when just for whatever reason, she's like, you know, when you go out, you know, just be careful about not having pictures of you with like a glass of wine in your hand. And I'm like, why? Like, I wasn't even looking for a divorce at that point. <laughs> and she's just <laughs> like, you know, stuff can just be used against you. And it was just so bizarre how that came up. And uh, yeah, you got to be careful, you know, just anything can be twisted and used against you in a evil way that you just didn't even know was possible. Um, yeah. So yeah, but, but basically keep, um, keep really good financial records, make sure that you're um, protecting yourself. Uh, look at your expenses. So here's something that I didn't know, but when you go through a divorce, what, um, what the two attorneys sides are going to look at is what were your expenses like for the past three years? So if you have um, a partner who decides to start cutting expenses left and right before the divorce goes down and unbeknownst to you, you don't realize that's why one of the houses is being sold, the vacation home's going and all of a sudden like different things are happening. Like they're all of a sudden scrutinizing why you're spending $12 on a pair of flip flops, you know, and it's just a little weirdness. Right. <laughs> it's because when the when everything um, gets put out like into uh, onto paper, they're going to look at it and say, okay, well, this is the lifestyle you're able to live. And so that's the oh. lifestyle we're going to project forward. So if you don't know that these things are happening behind the scenes to start cutting your expenses, um, and I'm talking like, let's say you're a stay-at-home mom or maybe the lower income earner, um, uh, it can come back, you know, against you. So like, don't agree to anything, no verbal agreements. Like that was one thing Chris told me, whatever you got, whatever you do, do not talk about anything with him. Like once you like put the line in the sand, we're getting divorced. You got to kind of like step back because again, things can be used um, in a negative way, you know, against so you. You communicated through your lawyers or you, you communicated in writing both? Yeah. Um, well, Mostly through the lawyers. And, and again, I, that doesn't sound comfortable, um, but I was communicating straight initially and uh, realized it was uh, detrimental to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I and then know. what what happened with the password? So do you mean like yeah. don't like if you have shared accounts? Yeah. Change your passwords on your own accounts because okay, money can be, you know, um, and I'm not talking about this in my case, but I've seen this where, you know, uh, Money can be taken from accounts or like they can just access things that you don't want them necessarily to. So you just want to protect yourself. So like change all your passwords. That was something Chris told me. And I'm like, uh, okay, like I, I wouldn't even you know, have thought like of it. Paranoid, right? Right. And that's what I thought too. Oh, and here's another little thing. Um, like if you have cameras in your house, <laughs> I don't know. There seems like a lot of people have cameras now in like their house, cameras? like security cameras to catch, you know, a criminal entering your house. Realize that you know, those can be accessed from outside of the home and your conversations can be listened into. So like my, my aunt told me that and she was telling me because one of her friends had gone through a divorce and she mentioned that to me, are, are there cameras in your house? I'm like, yeah, I go, actually, there's one right here in the master bedroom. She's like, don't talk in there anymore. I said, why? She goes, cause he can be recording you. And I'm like, what? 
I'm like, that is insane. That is absolutely no way, no how that would ever happen. She's like, Donna, I've seen it. And um, so I ended up, yes, have, like I did all my conversation outside walking on the you know, golf course or around the block with the dog. And I'm so glad I did. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. So just so many like strange things. Yeah. So many things that you don't want to have to think about. I mean, I think when you think about going through a divorce, it's kind of like the messy middle, but the end can be, mm-hmm. if, you, if you choose to find it, it mm-hmm. can be really a really beautiful thing. But like navigating that messy middle is, yeah. it's very painful. It's complicated. It's, yeah. uh, it's gut-wrenching sometimes. Yes. It's infuriating. Yes. And it's, you know, it's hard, but you can do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, that's, if that's a situation you're in, you can do it. You can right. rock your mom life afterward. <laughs> totally. So tell us about some of the things now that you've discovered mm-hmm. on the other side of your divorce that you didn't have in your life before that have absolutely Mm-hmm. changed your life for the better. Yes. Thank you. I will. Um, so I would say like the number one, I just recently purchased um, a home, my very first home on my own. And it is the most empowering, invigorating, wonderful experience. You know, I get to decorate it the way I want to. It sounds like really petty and small, but it really isn't like when you like have been yeah. fighting with someone for years on okay, I don't want that big, ugly couch. Like I want this cute couch, you know, um, it's my place. And I get, it's, it's got my energy and it's who I am. And I get to be with the people that I love the most. So, um, so many people in my life, I've got some of the most amazing female friends on the entire planet. You, Nikki, being one of them, as you know, like my inner circle and I get to be with them and do what I want to do with them in my own way. And I don't have to answer to anyone. So like, that was a thing that, I didn't even realize was holding me back that I was shrinking myself, my fault. I chose Mm -hmm. to do it because every time my light would start to shine, like, you know, it would be like water would be thrown on it and and I would shrink back. And now I don't need to shrink anymore. Like I get to be me and of everything that's been the biggest blessing is just getting to be myself and I don't have to answer to anyone. I don't have to explain myself to anyone and I get to, be friends with whomever I choose. And um, that's a beautiful thing. Another really amazing thing I will tell you is um, I think my relationship with my children is, it was always strong. Like my whole life has always been around my kids. So that's why I'm philanthropist, homeschool mom, love helping others. Like it's always been around my kids. And um, I'm so glad that I, I poured into them all those years, even when things were ugly and everybody's relationship has ugly parts. This is not against, this is not against my ex or me even. It's just everybody's got that. Yeah. Um, I'm so glad that I, I still did what I needed to do with for, with for my boys. And now being on the other side, our relationship is just that much stronger and that much more beautiful. Because we, the three of us, like we're like the three musketeers and our dog, Jetty, um, do things together. And it's quite lovely and beautiful and pretty and you know just like all these like kind of wonderful adjectives that come to mind like there's there's nothing negative about it and that feels really really good and I I think it's because again just going back to being able to be myself like getting in touch with myself um, that's been the biggest blessing and working on myself we all need to work on ourselves first before you can love anybody else or they can love you like it's a vice versa thing, right? You can't love anyone and they can't love you till you love yourself. It just sounded so cliche. Like I've heard that. 
And I can tell you being on the other side, um, everything I've done over the last three years, every bit of it has got me to today in this interview with you, Nikki. So um, I'm excited. (laughs) I think it's so beautiful to, to see that evolution in you and to watch you truly learn to love yourself. Because I think that a lot of times we don't. And it's hard to say that out loud, but a lot of times we just don't. And we would we talk to ourselves the way we would never speak to somebody we love. And we allow ourselves to experience things that we would never allow someone we love to experience. And sometimes getting divorced is that catalyst for you to realize that yes. and for you to see what life could be like, mm-hmm. and how great you are, yeah. and that you are amazing just you, right? Just you. You're just amazing, you. just you. You don't you don't need anybody else. Yeah. And I feel that way very strongly. And I am in a very now beautiful, loving, nurturing marriage. And yeah, we have our ugly stuff. And yeah, we don't agree on everything. But everything is based in love because I love myself now. Yes. I love yes. myself. And so I'm able to love my husband. I'm able to love my children. And they're able to love me. Mm-hmm. And that has been such a beautiful thing. And I really don't think I would have experienced any of that, any of that kind of connection and that beauty and that perspective about life if I hadn't gone through the ugly, if I hadn't right. gone through the relationship that just wasn't meant to be. It's not mm-hmm. that he's a bad person. Right. We just weren't right for each other. Mm-hmm. We didn't bring out the best in each other. We weren't supposed to be together. And separating right. our, our lives was complicated and it was gross and messy. Could have been a lot worse if we had kids. I will mm-hmm. say it was on the more amicable side. But I mean, we were nasty to each other along the way. And mm-hmm. and that wasn't fun. But mm-hmm. I needed to go through that right. to give myself what I have now. And I, I love seeing you have that same experience. And to be able to share it with other women, there's nothing unique about this. There's nothing unique about this. This could, this could be you too. Of course, every marriage is different. Every person is different. Every outcome is different. However. That choice to love yourself and to then love others and love your life, that's available to you as well. So mm-hmm. Donna, thank you for being here. Thank you for being so, oh, so vulnerable welcome. and candid sure. and sharing your story. And again, if any of you want to connect with Donna, check her out on Instagram at Donna DeSanctis and send her a little DM. Maybe you have a similar story. Maybe she inspired you. Maybe she helped you realize what your next step is going to be. But Again, it was so awesome to have you here. Thank you. Thank you, Nikki. It was it was my absolute pleasure. And I'll you know just kind of leave with one of my favorite quotes, which is um, from Abraham Hicks, which is "Things are always working out for me." Yes. So please write that down. Things are always working out for me, even when it's something that doesn't feel like it's going to be positive. Um, it's working out for you. And when things are going well, they're working out for you too. They're always, always working out for you. So thanks again for having me. It's been my pleasure. Oh, thank you. I love that. Well, that wraps up our conversation with Donna DeSantis. I know you took a ton of valuable nuggets from it, and I hope that one of them is going to help you right away in whatever you're going through today. We'll see you next time on the Love Your Mom Life podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really hope you took something of value from it. If you liked this episode, please share it with someone you love. And it would mean the world if you would leave a rating or a review. 
Don't forget to follow us on social media at Your Ideal Mom Life on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I can't wait to be with you in the next episode of the Love Your Mom Life podcast.